This is the Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Podcast with Dr. Serene Sharif. This is a space where we explore how mindfulness, productivity systems, and our thoughts create the magic in our life. I'm here to help and support you if you are struggling with overwhelm and burnout, and you're looking for tools to take control of your time, mind, energy, and productivity. I'm your host, Dr. Serene Sharif, and I am a general surgeon, medical educator, mom to three wonderful children, and wife, which were all instrumental in my journey to be a productivity and burnout coach. I'm excited to share my tools and unique framework to build a community so no one has to go through this alone, empowering each other to find our way out of burnout and overwhelm. We will explore how my mindfulness and productivity systems framework can help you combine the energy of mindfulness with the scientific principles of habit building and your unique systems of productivity. My framework is designed to help you find clarity, design your dream life, and create your transformation. We'll discuss how to overcome limiting beliefs and obstacles that are standing in the way of your dream life, as well as how to create and sustain your new habits in a way that will allow you to finally ditch your willpower and motivation struggles and have more time and energy to live your best life. This is episode number 46. Thank you for joining me today as we continue to explore how do we create our life by design and what are some of the things that might be keeping us stuck. Now, burnout is a space that I think a lot of us are experiencing, especially through this pandemic, but even before that, there is so much that is going on. It feels like we're living in this ever-evolving chaotic life, just feeling overwhelmed and burnt out with expectations and things that we want to do and the hamster wheel that we seem to be on and just always running and always trying to do stuff. But then you know, what's the next step? We don't know. All of these thoughts, this mental chatter, the emotional and mental toll of living constantly at our 100% and not being able to take a break really have an impact. And I am so excited to welcome my first guest for 2022, Dr. Sirchan, where we talk more about burnout and how how do we connect to all the tools to navigate our way out of burnout? I hope that you find our discussion and the actionable tips that we're going to share today helpful in creating the change that you want to see in your life. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so excited to welcome my guest today, Dr. Sirchan Khalsa. Dr. Khalsa has had a lifelong interest in mindful living and really has an extensive history and training in yoga, Reiki, Ayurveda, as well as integrative Madison. She is currently focusing her energy to support physicians who want to expand their personal understanding of new ways of healing through an experiential process utilizing techniques in Ayurveda, yoga, mindfulness, and plant-based nutrition. Hi, Surajan. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. So excited to be here. I am so excited to have you here as well. And for those of you who don't know, I had the pleasure of taking an Ayurveda course with uh, Surajan and it was amazing. It really changed the way I even approach food and look at what are some basic ways to connect to, to myself, to my five senses, and to think of food as nutritional medicine. So many things that I learned, and I'm so grateful to have been in our class. But I would love for you to share a little bit about your journey and how you really found yourself learning all through so many methodologies that I think you use very synergistically. And so I'd love for you to share about your journey. And then also if there's been any situations of burnout or overwhelm, how you've really used your teachings to help support you through that. Oh, I'd love that. Love to 
share more about that. I think what's the most compelling part of this story is that I had, like many of your listeners, I'd had a very particular objective at a young age to be a healer, to be a physician. And as we know, that often involves a lot of decisions that start in high school, right? You need to start performing. You need to start showing up, perhaps even at the extent of not honoring what your body needs to stay balanced and healthy. And so I definitely fit into that category. I went to Thomas Jefferson, which is in Northern Virginia. It's a magnet school for math and science. And one of the early classes, I think now it's like preposterously hard to get in, but not quite as hard when I was there in the 90s. But that experience of having to show up for college level academic experiences as a high school and then transitioning to college basically only needing three years of college based on AP credits and et cetera, et cetera. But I I dove into the pre-med curriculum, but I had what could really be characterized as a type of burnout and my digestion just stopped functioning. I started having really severe irritable bowel symptoms, but it was mingled with my menstrual cycle stopping, poor sleep, depression, anxiety. So this was right in the middle of that pre-med curriculum. So I, again, I didn't come from a background that had a lot of integrative or complementary background, which in those days, it was called alternative medicine. Basically, there was no integrating, there was none of that middle road mindset. And so I went to the student health clinic. In hindsight, I always like to say there's happy accidents or happy coincidences, not necessarily in the moment, but in hindsight. So I saw a male doctor who probably was someone not interested in primary care, perhaps going on that was either a medical student or a resident who probably had no business taking care of me. I'm certain it was not like someone of an attending skill level, but he gave me in the office samples of for phenobarbital to help my digestion, like mind boggling story before, but I always tell it for emphasis because I left that office and I thought, I always was a bit of a maverick or a lone wolf thinker. Like I never was fully mainstream thinking, but this was so preposterously pill for problem, not even remotely thinking about a sort of deeper symptomology. I was like, I think I'm stressed out. I think I need to learn how to manage that. So I walked into a small independent bookstore and picked up my first sort of integrative medicine introductory book. And it happened to be on Ayurveda, which I had never heard of, as you might imagine. I grew up very standard suburban Washington, D.C. upbringing before social media, before cable TV, before the internet, where you weren't exposed to literally everything under the sun, podcasts, all of it, none of that. It was PBS, NBC, CBS, the four channels. And so that I was exposed to the great chefs growing up, PBS, like that was the extent of it. But it was really like something sparked inside of me. And at that point, it really was a parallel journey. I was always one foot in the science, if you will, in the allopathic internal medicine, hospice palliative medicine. I have a master's degree and fellowship in integrative medicine, all that educational process. But there was a parallel track that included two years off from clinical medicine to study in-depth Ayurveda, 
an in-depth Reiki master training, a yoga teacher training, flower essence, aromatherapy, botanical medicine, all that had a parallel track. And so the irony in it, in a way, was that I was never really working full-time. I was always half-time, third-time in practice, and then learning something in tandem. So it's been a very incredible journey. I feel very blessed that I, in a lot of ways, gave myself permission to have that freedom to not design a career that looked like what I perhaps had been conditioned to believe a medical career needed to look like, including large breaks, long breaks. And so that dance with burnout, though, that started then has shown up at other intervals, because when you have a sort of more holistic or whole person treatment model, and the system is very symptom and disease oriented, you're swimming upstream most of your career. Absolutely. And honestly, your story is so inspirational for so many of us, including me, when I think about, I felt the only way I was going to make it through is just like to hold my breath and just to get through it all. And probably part of my burnout journey is that I literally did not think about anything outside of medicine for this period of time to the detriment of my health, relationships, and all of the things, all of my 20s and most of my 30s is like that. So when you come up for breath and you realize, okay, this is not where I thought I was going to end up, but this is not what I thought the world was going to be like. If I just got through this one more thing and you realize like 21 more things later, it's really, it doesn't quite work that way. Yeah. It's really interesting too, because I actually believe that women do it differently or people that identify as women. And there's definitely a different paradigm at work. So my training was fairly formal. My residency was at the Mayo Clinic. And really, as far as the eye could see at that time at Mayo Clinic, there were no nurse practitioners. Everyone was 0.8, or above. There was no half time because their benefits package was so powerful. So I, there was maybe two female attendings in my residency program. And of course, now that's different. But at that point, you know, you're sort of tracing back 10, 15 years for who would have been in those leadership roles. And I think that women have different sets of internal goals and, and we have different things that give us a sense of accomplishment. I don't like to generalize so much like that, but I've just, I've really come to say the model that this sort of primary breadwinner who has someone at home running the house doesn't work for women unless you have a stay-at-home partner, which most don't. And so there's this juggling act that happens and an odd sort of competition with the male, our male colleagues who have that stay-at-home support that keeps the household, the groceries, the vacations planned. And when you're sort of trying to like envelop all of it and still meet these certain metrics in your career, it's an equation for never being satisfied. And I think that's a driver of some of the burnout is that I think we're at a just uh, an inflection point where women actually get to start to build community connection and name their values and name what feels meaningful and important in their career so that there's a community that reflects that back to them and says, yeah, that's totally success. As opposed to why aren't you a department chair or why haven't you published or why aren't you using your salary X or why haven't your 401k gotten here? These things are metrics that aren't always the things that bring the most contentment or happiness for women. So it's been a complicated thing, I think, for women to sort of I really feel like our career, the tube of our generation, these 40s, the women that are now in their 40s and 50s, the ones that are coming after us, it's definitely going to be very different because we're going to have all these coaches who have now infiltrated academics, mindset work, that of course 
That was a 100% absence. I remember my first year of residency, I went and talked to the chief resident and he was basically like, suck it up, buttercup. And I was like, unfortunately, that's not going to work for me. Like I am beyond miserable. I'm not sleeping. I'm not exercising. I'm not de-stressing. This is very problematic for my mental health. And he just stared at me with blank eyes. And I was like, okay, I'm going to have to, the onus is on me to figure out how to navigate through this. And I think some of us do, we just power on blinders just keep going just keep going it'll be okay but then there's a personal mental emotional spiritual physical it always comes to roost you can only run that engine hot for so long as my friend says when you're redlining the engine and you're like oh don't we have a little more gas and the engine sure but we're gonna start stripping things away if we keep running that engine that hot yeah absolutely and I think that's so powerful to even remind ourselves I as I was struggling with really trying to balance or or not even balance, but to figure out what is it that I want when I'm looking at my career and my children and my personal health and all of the things when you think, how is it I'm working in a job that is more 60 to 80 hours and really I should be doing more. There's always more to be done to get ahead or to rise within our fields. Most people work 40 hours a week and even working at 80 hours that I'm still expecting to manage everything at home and figure out like what are the kids costumes going to be and they're like their snack and I remember once we were doing like Valentine's cards or some card holiday themed card for school and I went to the store and bought this prepackaged and they filled it out and they took it and when the kids came back they all had these like crafty things that their friends were bringing and, and I was just thinking oh my god I will never be able to do any of these things and just feeling I'm a terrible mom because I'm not cookie baking and doing all of this extra stuff and feeling somehow my kids were being deprived. But ultimately what I realized is my kids are being deprived when I'm cranky and frustrated and yelling at them. And that it's probably more important that their mom is happy than their mom is giving them craft projects for every <laughs> holiday. So I really had to break it down to what is important and what is important, not just to me, but to those around me, those who are important to me how I wanted to show up in their lives. And, and even in my job, like I loved my job, but I realized I don't know if I want to work like so many hours in my life. If you think about it, there's 168 hours in a week. So say you sleep, the, the ideal would be to have that five to six hours, which is about seven to eight hours, but say you don't even do that. Okay. So you, you sleep about 40 to 50 hours a week. And then you have, if you work 80 hours, I mean, what are you left with? And those are your waking hours. I mean, that's everything. That's going to the bathroom. That's cooking. That's grocery shopping. That's every single thing to do. Burnout is when you realize like you want to live a 200 hour week or a 250 hour week and, and you're living 168 hour week and you're trying to squeeze yourself. Like you said, redlining the engine, like you're squeezing yourself from all places. But is that even realistic? Like, who does that? I don't think so. And I think it really is internalize other people's Mm -hmm. ideas. Mm -hmm. Because when we really take that time, whether it's through a coach or through reflection and therapy, where you really start to get dialed into what's meaningful to me, what brings me joy, what would I regret missing? 
you realize that all this busy work may actually even be emotional escapism. Let's call it spade. Sometimes the hard emotional work of life can be avoided by being busy. I'm not saying this is you, but I've definitely seen this phenomenon in positions where it's, oh, dang, the marriage is in a tough spot. I think I'll work a little more. Or there's these, there's this balance of being high achieving, sort of type A workaholic and accomplishing personal goals and feeling efficacious and impactful in what you can do. And the balance of emotional sort of excavation and exploration and intimacy of relationships that need, it needs time. I think what I saw a lot happening in medicine, less so now, just owing to how my own life has changed. But when I was, I was married before and in that first marriage, there wasn't the same focus on lifestyle and self-care that this marriage has. And you could just see in the friend group that we had, there would be troubles or difficulties and someone would just get busier. It's just the culture of being busy with somehow showing up and we'll see, look how hard I'm working. You don't appreciate what I'm doing. When in reality, that deeper sort of heavier work which I think actually gets, unfortunately, for a lot of physicians, when you go from high school to college, to medical school, to residency, to marriage, to family, there's a self-discovery piece that's absolutely pure luxury. And you see the people around you that aren't in medicine doing it. And you almost have a disavowed self. There's almost this sense of like resentment or envy towards them or critical judgment. What is all that personal growth? Like, <laughs> get to work, you know, don't ask me for money, you know, it's like this whole continuum of that. I think that the evolution of, which I know you've been on this journey of becoming a coach and extending coaching into younger generations of clinicians is affording them the ability to write their own destiny in a way that I think would, was never afforded to us, even though we may have stuck our claim in it in various ways. It took at that time, 15 years ago, 20 years ago now, tremendous courage to not do what everyone else was doing. You often would hear, well, you'll never get malpractice if you take a break or no one will ever hire you again. And it's, that's just not true. It's just not true. Right. And actually I was just having the same conversation about when I wanted to change the way the just essentially cut back on my practice, they would cut back like in one place and then add in another. So like essentially, yes, I'm not supposed to be here, but then there's like all these things that I have to do, or there is administrative roles that I have to fill, or I'm getting called in from home. So I'm thinking, okay, this is not what cutting back actually means. And I had a conversation at that time with admin and such. And I said, I love my job. I want to be able to maintain it, but this is not sustainable. I'm a mom and my children need me as well. And I, I was the only woman in the entire department of surgery. I think there was definitely a lot of blinders. Just they had never experienced this before, because like you said, there's someone else in the other people's homes. Take care of some of those things that you don't even realize. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know that this is what needs to happen when you, if you have never really done that. And someone else has taken care of that. Anyways, but one of the things that I was told is, well, if you want to be a surgeon, like you said, suck it up buttercup. If you want to be a surgeon, this is it. There's no other way to practice surgery. This is the only way. And if you don't want to, that's fine. And I realized 
you know, this, I mean, I had kind of hit my end point. I had not done any of that personal growth or self-discovery. I'd put my head down and, and done the work and I hit this wall and I said, I just can't live like this anymore. I don't even want to live like this anymore. If this is what life is and I don't want to be a part of it. And it was just really not a healthy place for me. And, and thankfully I had a lot of support to help me realize that I don't have to. If this is really not livable, like I do have a choice, even though every Everyone around me saying, this is your only choice. You have no choice. So I ended up quitting that job. I, I resigned from there and I didn't know what I was going to do, but I just kept asking the question of, okay, what else could I do? Okay, I'll try some locums. Oh, that's not too bad. I'll teach medical students. Oh, this is not too bad. And I realized there's a million ways for us to work. And now I do locums. Really, honestly, if I wanted to work 30 days a week, I could. 30 days a, a month, not a week. 30 days a week also happens. There is more than enough need and I can work as many days as I want. And this is something that I would never have thought was possible. So if I'd listened to everyone else, I would still be stuck in a miserable job, feeling like I don't know why I'm living. And instead, you know, I feel like I provide value at work and I'm able to be present in my life and I'm able to do things that I never thought was possible. But that's only because you know, that there first there was support, but also just saying what else is out there? Just being curious and questioning. If I don't want this, then what else is out there that I could try? And stepping out there, it's a little bit of a leap slash step into the unknown. But I think that there is for each of us, there are options. If anyone is telling you there are no choices, they're aligned to you. Oh. There are options and it's just looking to see what would work for you in your life for your needs. Mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, for anyone who's listening, let this just be a moment in time where you can question what you've been told. If you're listening to this, it's we're both sort of saying pause and examine what beliefs you think are 100% true, because those thoughts drive our actions. And if we actually have a belief that is in fact not true, but it's driving our decisions and our feelings and our actions, then the outcome of our long-term inner vision is never going to come to a place that feels satisfying. And I think this dissatisfaction, discontentment is such an integral theme in female physician careers and burnout is at an all-time high. So it's, I think it's 100% okay to say, I'm going to have a completely atypical career and believe it or not, it's going to 100% work out like there's still always going to be a demand and there's always going to be other options. Even in situations where someone says something like, I live in a small town, this is the only job. And they have to just expand their understanding of what's possible. And sometimes that move to a different place was the right thing, even though everything about that particular situation was like, this is the best place for us. This is the best job for me. This is the best situation. However, when you look at it very objectively, it's not aligned. And so that feeling of alignment is something that I definitely encourage people to get a coach to support you. When I first heard about coaching, I was well into my career into a lack of balance in how I was working. And I've tried a lot of different ways to work with my various work environments, never really found something 
that probably was going to be sustainable for me. So I'm not sure that coaching would have been, I had to make a transition out of this sort of standard clinical pathway because I just need more time with people. But I'm really appreciating the value that a coach can bring when you feel like locked in. And then that creates a sort of hopeless, helpless feeling. And then that just diffuses into everything and compound that with what I believe are the epigenetic changes of burnout, meaning the circadian rhythms, the neurohormonal, the microbiome, the autonomic, all those things are no longer functioning in a way that leaves a person feeling resilient, thoughtful, creative, joyful. Yeah. I don't think it's easy to get there by yourself, so to speak. It's good to have support and community and reflection that can help you make that passage as a physician, because right now the conditioned reality is still go to your job and overwork yourself. And if you aren't, dang, you're not showing up for the group or for the patients or for the system. And I think COVID has really brought that into a more defined way. So I think it's a remarkable time that there are so many more opportunities for early stage clinicians to connect with wisdom and insight and really dive into what would bring me meaning? What would be fulfilling? What would bring me the same joy that I think my patients get from seeing me and being met by someone with compassion and curiosity and empathy? I want to feel that reciprocated in my my relationship to this work. Oh, I love that. And what a beautiful way to, to really embrace that. Because I remember when I was in training, one of the things was just, okay, like you were saying about time with patients or about really like that, that relationship, building that and listening to them and being curious and being empathetic, etc. It was okay, you have 10 minutes, you need to finish that, you need to get your note done. And not just in training, you know, it, it goes on into practice. Mm-hmm. And and you end up feeling like you're doing some kind of cookie cutter work. People, humans, cookies. And so I think it, it, a lot of us came into medicine thinking that we were going to be in that space where we get to be healers and we get to connect and do the things that we feel like we were really called to do. And then you realize, okay, yeah, you can do that in your spare time, but the rest of your time, you, you still have to do all of the administrative work, the, the electronic medical record, the, the discussion with the insurance companies and returning calls and the expectations and, and sometimes even just really patients not being advocates for themselves or be following through on what will help them have the best health. So we're trying to advocate for everybody. And I think along the way, sometimes we just really need to also stand up and advocate for ourselves and not just sometimes, but really all the time. So I love that you also connected to just looking at all of the physiologic things that happen in that stress response, the changes in our, the changes in our stress arousal, the changes in our, our GI tract and how we are able to process our emotions because how many times do we really sit down and think about all that happened and, you know, okay, this is what I thought about it. This is how I felt and really processing through our thoughts and our feelings. We don't really have the opportunity or the time in a regular basis um, in full-time practice. And so you just, you have chronic sleep deprivation, you build up all, you bottle up all of these thoughts and feelings, you internalize and create this like self-judgment and self-blame and you're, there's increasing levels, layers of stress, if you will. And then you wonder why are people struggling? Why is there such a rise in mental health struggles and how we support ourselves? So I think that you know, these types of conversations are great places to at least raise awareness and start the process. Think about what brings you joy. I love Marie Kondo's book. I'd like what sparks joy for you. And
And so instead of looking at things and holding on to things and seeing what sparks joy, look at what's in your life right now. What is filling your calendar? What is filling your time? And think, is this an alignment with my vision and values? Is this sparking joy for me? And if it's, if something is consistently showing up as not an alignment, not sparking joy, then you might want to look, is this really something that you're connecting to? And is it adding value to your life? I think sometimes we have to honor a passage of something that's unpleasant. I can hear maybe even someone saying, well, it's not always going to be mm-hmm. rainbow unicorns. <laughs> so that's not what we're saying. Right. It's a larger vision and a larger sort of feeling of alignment and self that I think gives that sense of satisfaction that you're willing to work hard for or make sacrifices for. Because inevitably medicine asks that. Mm-hmm. It is a profession that if it's not your primary profession, it's very difficult to understand the complexity, the internal call that the needs of others displace one's own needs and our family's needs. And in some circumstances, and in some certainly more, some aspects of medicine over other, it's essential. It can't even be navigated. It's like you will be in the hospital overnight for the holiday. It has to be there. And there's large groups of people in medicine for whom that is consistently part of their journey. But I think what we're talking about is I do think there comes a certain age and a certain maturity in the career where there's now emotional bandwidth to ask bigger questions. And before there was no context for those questions. There was no space for them. There was no awareness of how to find those answers. It was really just this void. So I have all these questions and no one to meet me in them. And you take it to a practice and the response really would be this is how we do it it's how we've always done and I think that's we need to stop that because the loss of one physician life is too many and there is a burnout issue that's leading to the loss of physician lives at a level that's scary one to two per day in some people's estimates an astronomical number. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also because no one is meeting them right in the void, what's happening is that people are hitting that wall and they're leaving medicine. There's such a huge physician shortage as well. So I think that helping to find what is in alignment and what works and what is fair, what is real. You're right. We do know we're going to be working holidays and there are going to be sacrifices. And as you mentioned earlier, the sacrifices start in high school. We've given up a normal high school, college, our 20s and 30s. We've given up when all our friends were living life. We were in some dark room in the hospital or hopefully not dark, but we were working. We were volunteering. We were doing leadership. We were giving value and service. And there is going to be a point where some of our needs also need to be addressed. And I think a lot of it is really just empowering ourselves to say, what are our needs? What would make this work? What would make the work that I do, if I'm going to add one more administrative role, what needs to, it it can't be on top of, it has to be instead of, because we can't constantly just keep going, oh, now I work 50, 60 hours, but now I'm going to add another 10 hours. And then six months later, add another role. We can't continue to expect that 
constant addition of responsibilities without some way to counteract that. And I think the conversation starts with really saying, okay, if I'm going to take this role, what are the things that need to change? So I have time to do that instead of, okay, I'll just do that in my spare time. But I think inevitably there's sort of two core issues that end up coming up from my point of view. One is around self-worth and the other is around control. And sometimes when the external carrot has been so prominent, the internal acceptance, the internal work, self-compassion, the internal work of, I accept these imperfections, if you will, that exist within me. I accept these emotions that come through. Instead, there's this kind of controlled chaos of, no, there's no room for that. Or I don't want to open that Pandora's box in part because I'm not sure I'm going to like what I learned. But I do really believe that as women move into the later portions of their career, those questions are so prominent. They become so prominent, they can't really be ignored. So it's worth but at a certain phase, once you've got your rhythm and your feet grounded in your practice, maybe it's at year five, maybe it's at year 10, but you actually do start taking a little step back to do a little bit of this work. Because I think otherwise, then the 30s really are punctuated mm-hmm. by a really particular misery. And you're compounding for many women, young children in that. And it's just, oh my gosh, I'm just surviving. Mm-hmm. when it probably could be a little better than that. And I think that's, that's just a reminder. Like we can do medicine differently. We can organize practices differently. We can look at salaries differently. Mm-hmm. We can be creative in what feels like enough money. This is the elephant in the room to me is that a lot of problems could be solved not having as much a drive for as much income. There's that, there's a whole intentional living piece. Do you need that extra XYZ thing? Or could you work a little less? Maybe the bigger house would be lovely, but a smaller one would give you less financial stress and more room to pivot in your work. And I think it's a funny continuum of sort of overextending, wanting the things, the nice things to buffer the sacrifice and the intensity. They're not actually the solution and in fact may drive the problem a bit further. That's always a bit ironic. That's another conversation. And no, I think so, so many valid points and just realizing what is meaningful when designing and creating that intentional life, I think is again, but in order to do that, we need to give space for thought. We need to have space to reflect and to think about what is important. What do I need to do next? Where do I find this? How do I manage X, Y, and Z? If I want to have a child and continue my practice. Where is that going to be? Because childcare is actually incredibly complicated and expensive in this country. And no one thinks about that, right? Everyone says, oh yeah, sure. Yes, of course, women, you can have kids and have a job and do all of the things. But I think we need to be real and say, yes, you can, but it does not come without some prize. And I'm not even talking about finances here. It's about learning to find that community. But I hope that one of the changes that I have seen that I find absolutely inspiring is the community. Really, I think that as more and more women are rising in the fields, right, and doing all the things and having children or not, they might be, there might be personal things going on, learning to balance all of that and connecting with other women in, and forming a community, not just locally, but I think globally with our virtual communities, it really makes a huge difference just even being able to talk to someone else at the end of the day who kind of gets where you are and what's going on and saying, yes. 
yeah, today sucked, but tomorrow's going to be better. Like, what do we do next? And just having camaraderie. I think that's been an amazing blessing that I've seen, especially highlighted during the pandemic, because we've had to connect virtually. Yeah. And it has actually created a lot of opportunity for connection that had never been there before, which I love this, that what has happened with the connectivity from the pandemic. I have been teaching this Ayurveda course, which has yoga. And prior to the pandemic, I can assure you that no one was interested in doing yoga on a Zoom call. No one. If you had said to me three years ago that whole yoga studios would be occurring via Zoom calls, I'd be like, yeah, right. But we've all become a little bit more flexible. We've taken some of that pandemic pause. There's been some inertia, waking, lethargy, more sitting, more screen time. But there has been, in many circumstances, a connectivity and inner work, a bit of inner journeying, because all those external distractions of the kids' soccer game, the church event, the travel to see family, like all of that's been on hold. We're all itching to get back to it. But I think we can take pause and say, Okay, there's been a lot of value from having taken time and pause Mm -hmm. to really do some of this work. And I think that's something I've been watching as well. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate all uh, our discussion. And it's been really thought provoking for me as well to push myself to think what else? What's next? What do I what do we think about? And this is actually the first discussion episode in January. So I think it's like the perfect time to start thinking about what is something new to create this year? What is something new to reflect on? And even if it is, you know, I'm going to take five minutes in the morning to just build a mindfulness practice, or I'm going to take a five minute break during lunch and go for a walk outside, whatever it is, no change is too small. If I want to see a change in my life, the the way to start is by creating a change. And I think mindfulness tools are really an amazing way to connect back to ourselves, to our senses, to our environment, and helps us build pause and reflection as well. I thank you for all the tools that you've shared with me as well. Oh, I really appreciate the opportunity to spend this time with you and just share these ideas. And I think it's through these collaborative conversations and community that even our intention makes it better somehow that there's that we have an overall intention that women, and it's not having it all in a sense, but it's having contentment, having balance, having ease, having joy, as opposed to living most of life in the clarity of that. And it doesn't, it just doesn't have to be that way. Absolutely. Now, if any of our listeners wanted to get in touch with you and know more about you, where would they find your information? Sure. So my website is drsirichan, so drsirichan.com. And then my social media, which you can can find me pretty much anywhere is D-O-C-T-O-R. So Dr. Siri Chun. So slight difference in those, but yeah, very easy to find me. Google my name too. A bunch of stuff will come up. Wonderful. And I'll include that information in the show notes as well. So everyone will have a chance to connect with you and get to know you more. Thank you so much for the time you've spent with us today and all the wisdom you've shared. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. For my listeners, if there are any topics that you want to hear more, please drop a comment below. I would be happy to add those to our weekly content. If you want to explore 
how to create a reset and create your vision for 2022 from a place of deep connection, from a place where you are truly designing your dream life, then I invite you to check out my Create Your Vision for 2022 program, which is free just for the month of January. This program has been designed to help you transform your life from overwhelm to mindful productivity. Even though goal setting might not really be your thing, even if setting up effective habits has been a challenge for you in the past, what you'll get is an email every day for seven days. And over that week, you'll be given short videos and an action plan on how you can design your dream life, connect to your life vision and core values, connect to your future self with a guided meditation, dream to create what you want to experience in 2022. Create your 2022 vision board, set your smarter goals, and design the nano habits to make your goals inevitable, especially focused on quarter one. You will leave the program with clarity on what is most impactful and important to you for 2022. And not just what goals you want to achieve, but really what are the actions? What do you need to do on a daily routine basis? aka habits, to accomplish your goals? And how do you design and set up your habits to make your goals inevitable so you can live your best productive life and finally have more time and energy for yourself and your loved ones? So I invite you to explore that. And if you want to take it even deeper and really apply this to your life, if you're tired of the excuses of being in the same place every day, having the same problems, not understanding or not knowing how to create that change, then I invite you to set up a time and talk to me. You can connect with me on social media. You can find me on my website, www.serenitywellnessmd.com. And you can schedule a call with me. You can find my scheduling link on the show notes so we can explore what this means to your unique set of needs. We can explore what are the places where you don't have clarity in your life, where you're looking to create changes, but you've been in the same place stuck and overwhelmed. The first session is free where we really just explore what is going on and what are the things that you need to do to create that change, how to overcome the overwhelm. So this is not what we continue to experience on a daily basis. If you're ready to take your life to the next level, then I invite you to explore this because the truth is nothing changes if nothing changes. I hope that this process is providing inspiration and support as you work to create your best year in 2022. Thank you so much for dreaming with me and for joining me today. I look forward to connecting with you. And if there are any other topics that you really want to hear more of and explore, then please send me an email, send me a message. I'm available on social media as well as on my website. All of the links are on my show notes as well. And I look forward to helping you in your life adventure this year. For all those listening, thank you for joining us today. If you found this valuable, please like, subscribe, leave a review on iTunes and share it with a friend or two. I would so appreciate that. I would love to hear from you. If you have a story to share about burnout or overwhelm, please reach out to me so we can continue to build this community so no one has to go through burnout and overwhelm alone. You can reach out to me at my website, serenitywellnessmd.com or Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Facebook page or at Serenity Wellness MD on Instagram. 
The content of this podcast is not meant to be medical advice. Tune in for the next episode coming to you every Thursday morning. Goodbye for now.